welcome back to Grid Iron Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters and the resident moose himself, Mo Nuwara, after a 4-1 and one, four and one week in the Las Vegas Super Contest, we are currently... 27, 35, and 3, good for 2,239th in the world's greatest sports betting contest. But we put together a 4 and one week, guys. We had, shockingly enough, our third winning week of the last four. So if you take away that 0-4-1 Thanksgiving drunken, drunken, I should say, Thanksgiving Day massacre, we've actually... Turned the worm a little bit, so we're giving you some winners as we go down the NFL stretch. And looking across our personal cards, every single member of the collective went four and one. A loom came through this weekend. What does that mean for picking order this week? That means for picking orders, the exact same. Remains the same. A loom really came through last night, though. I mean, <laughs> they for sure took the plus six and then live bet it all. All of the crypto on Steelers' money line. Yeah, if a loom didn't have live bet on Steelers' money line, then I don't know about a loom because, holy shit, man. An amazing... It just looked like they were just pushing the refs the refs were just pushing them to the finish line (laughs) an amazing finish i saw a tweet last night when chris boswell was lining up for what was the game-winning field goal and it was the perfect sports betting tweet it said something to to the likes of every pittsburgh ticket holder wants him to miss this kick and every Bengals ticket holder wants him to make this kick and it's just that is such a a great snapshot of how amazing sports betting is. Uh, DP, you are in the sports betting capital of the universe, and you sound every bit like you are in Sin City. How is Vegas? How is your Sunday football watching in Las Vegas? So amazing. Got to watch it back at the sports book. Oh, it's just so refreshing to be there in the atmosphere and bring it all in and sit there with the the crazy degenerates it's just i love it i absolutely love it man your voice is lost like if, if there was a voiceover portal where you could search for people that sound like x and if you like typed in las vegas into the search bar your voice would come out can i get some more please can i get some more las yes, vegas you can get some more trust me it's fucking 6 15 in the morning donnie had the most outstanding if if it wasn't for this terrible uh number one play, he would have had the most like perfect card. Like just looking at his picks, all of his bricks were at the bottom. He he bricked his bottom six and then and then hit on six of his top seven. Yeah. The 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 perfect I mean, and that's the hardest thing of what we do. For for those, any of you that are new to this, what we do every single week is we pick every game against the spread using the super contest lines of course and then we put them in a power ranking uh if you're there are pools like this where you make confidence rankings for all of your selections and then all of your picks are weighted as opposed to just having uh each pick worth one point and yeah donnie what's what's most difficult about what we do is is not only picking the games against the spread but then ranking them in confidence order and donnie's card to most point is is pretty perfect save for that horrifying bills selection and and let's get into recapping the week 13 slate and let's start it off on a good note let's start with the new york fighting jets who defeated Moe's chefs straight up 38 to 31 despite spotting them 14 points and not covering travis kelsey for the first what was it five minutes of the contest i hope you guys follow us on twitter 
uh, just follow at Gridiron Gamble, and you can get to the four of us from there. But when the news was announced that Darren Lee was a healthy scratch because he did some dumb shit, I immediately fired a tweet that you need to have exposure to Kelsey in DFS and, and maybe Kareem Hunt too, because he is Lee is the only person on the Jets who can cover the middle of the field, at least at the, uh, the first layer of the defense. Once it gets to the back, I think May and Adams can do a fine job, but in the middle of the field, Buster Scrine or any of the other nickel corners are just going to get their lunch taken from them by somebody like Kelsey. And sure enough, <laughs> Travis Kelsey catches like two passes or three passes for 90 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter. And then I guess they changed the scheme. Kelsey still got to six. Uh, or Kelsey only caught two more balls uh, in the contest. So I guess they, they changed the scheme. But that allowed, obviously, for Tyree Kill to open it up. He went for six for 185 and two scores. But the Jets' offense, man, the air raid attack continues. Uh, they get to the goal line twice. Uh, that's why you only see McCown having one passing touchdown. Because they got to the one twice and he snuck it in for two rushing touchdowns. McCown finishes the game with 9.2 yards per attempt and was outthrown by Alex Smith at 11.1, mainly because of those big plays to Kelsey and Hill. So this was a a really bizarre game where, Mo, it looked like Andy Reid was back to being aggressive, but somehow, someway, 31 points was not enough against the Jets because of that terrible defense. What did I say two weeks ago? Two weeks ago? The secondary, they are who we thought they were. Puke. They can't cover anybody. Uh, Andy Reid apparently gave up play calling duties. So it looks like the Chiefs might be throwing deep again. Somebody with a brain took over. Um, That's going to help the Chiefs going forward, but they just they can't stop anybody. Uh, this secondary is Oakland level. It's as bad as they come. Uh, horrible PIs. Nobody can do anything against an elite receiver like Robbie Anderson. How elite is Robbie Anderson? He. I was thinking about it. This is these are the types of things I think about in the shower. If I had to do a Jets wide receiver power ranking in my lifetime, or at least the time with which I've been consciously watching football, and I I really think he's contending for number two. I th- I think the one is clearing away Keyshawn like by a country mile, and then at two I think there's some weird mishmash of Santana Moss, Robbie Anderson, and then I can't discount Brandon Marshall because he was I mean he was amazing in his short tenure with the Jets, an absolute red zone nightmare. But I think he might be the second best receiver I've watched on this team in my lifetime. And I don't think that's hyperbole at this juncture. He really is a walking eight for 100, which he, which is what he gets in this game. Where'd they find this guy? Undrafted free agent, Mr. Robbie Anderson. He, uh, he was a Miami guy. And the Jets have really good Miami connections uh, in terms of some of the talent on their roster. I actually think the... Uh, Aforementioned Brandon Marshall was a key role in uh in Robbie's early development. Um if he if he can put on the kind of muscle mass that, that Brandon has, he's gonna be unstoppable. Uh but he's he's just so slim right now. But I think that kind of plays into his his body control. Like his his speed and size is one thing, but his his ability to to jump and then contort his body to make some of these catches is pretty remarkable you also had Jermaine Curse nine for 157 and, and that's when you know your secondary has a problem because Jermaine Curse is just a warm body like he's a good vet he runs good routes he's reliable but 10 targets catching nine of them for 157 uh that's problematic that's extremely efficient <laughs> yeah. uh DP the Jets keep on doing it for us they keep on covering they do keep on covering they also produced uh my stack, uh, they produced a lot of good results on DraftKings. Unfortunately, all my other players that I had paired with them didn't quite work out. But yeah, they just keep doing it. Um, I mean, I think this team is still, I mean, in most spots, I'd say 80% of spots, they're generally undervalued in terms of picking them. Um, I think uh, we got a little ahead of ourselves last week 
but even last week they were inside the number for most of the game. So um, Jets are still a great spot. Um, there's somebody that I'm going to talk about later on as well uh, going into week 14 too. If the Jets don't blow their dicks off against the Falcons and the Panthers, this is a 7-5 and five team looking at a playoff spot, which is remarkable. I, 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 this I, is... God. This is gonna this is gonna serve as last call on the Chiefs though. Yes, this is wrap. it. They're not. This is this has to be it. Yeah, it's a wrap. That, that nobody out there is gonna be clicking on the Chiefs now because everyone has to know the Chiefs suck. I've been saying the Chiefs suck for the last three weeks, and everyone has to know it now. So the cat's out of the bag on this one. My friend uh, fired five hundred dollars on the Jets' money line this weekend. So congratulations to him and everybody else who took advantage of this idiotic market <laughs> that somehow still thought the Chiefs were good. I Not was, a good team. I was looking at uh, one of our, our favorite listeners, T-Park. He's got a, a big survivor pool every year, and I was looking at the remaining teams because I'm no longer in it. I think I fizzled out super early, like week five, and I was looking at the remaining picks heading into week 13, and I think I believe there were like six or seven people remaining. One of them took the Jets, and the other one took the Hawks. Uh, excuse me, the Eagles. And I was in a text group, and I said, I- "I'm not even kidding. I like the Jets pick way more than I like that Eagles pick." And everyone thought I was crazy. And alas, Gang Green coming through. Let's get to the L real quick, courtesy of DP. His Patriots come out and do the damn thing against the Bills. It was a low-scoring affair, even for the Patriots. I feel like 23 points, even though that's well above average in the NFL. I feel like in a spot like this, they could have piled it on a little more. Brady certainly plays one of his worst games of the year. Uh, No touchdowns for him and a pick. But on the defensive side of the ball, the Patriots really show out in this contest. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, 3.6 yards per attempt did not play well, and didn't really have any chances to play well. Nobody's open in this game. Uh, DP, I'll let you take the lead on this one. We've been giving Matt, Patricia, and them boys some shit, especially me, but this was an impressive performance for the Pats on the road. Talk about it. Yeah, the first things first. Sorry, guys, for handing us our first loss. I really thought that 8.5 was a slam dunk. Uh, I mean, I just I don't know what to say. It looked like it for at least the first quarter and a half or so that that it was the right side but then the bills just decided to really fizzle out especially on offense not be able to do anything move the ball get the ball in the end zone i mean heck even put up field goals uh they just couldn't get anything done and you know rich like you opened up and mentioned you know brady didn't play well the, the patriots didn't play defense. i mean they got the job done but they didn't look too good they looked like they were having trouble patriot or brady was getting hit a lot um, so yeah, I mean, they ended up just throwing to, to Gronkowski every single play and he just seemed to be the, the freak, the monster that, that he is. But other than that, I really can't think of any, you know, super bright spots for the Patriots offense. I mean, yeah, they ran the ball good. I'm, I'm not that big on the bills run defense. So I don't think that that's something, you know, you can just, uh, take home and, and tout too much. Uh, but this defense, I mean, it's getting better every week. It seems like the Patriots themselves every single year, they kind of start slow and then get better into November, get better into December when it really matters. Uh, and I think that's what we're seeing here. I was very impressed with Stephen Gilmore and his ability to cover in this game uh, where he's been sort of that sore spot in the defense, uh, you know, to, at least to start the season for the first uh, five or six weeks before he had that concussion that they set him down for. So, I'm looking forward to seeing what they have and, and to see them keep improving, but uh, they do have some injuries that, that they're dealing with, so we'll have to see how that factors in. But if anyone can you know, tout that uh, next man up strategy, it's Bill Belichick and the Patriots. When is Deion Lewis going to be allowed to score a touchdown? How racist, bro. Yeah, come on. Never. Come on, BB. Most takes. Most- I honestly think that, that, that Bill Belichick just he does things like this to keep his players in check to not let them get ahead of themselves. So let's say Deion Lewis goes down the field and has 40 rushing yards. He's not going to let him also get in the end zone. It's just how he operates. It's weird. It's stupid. It is stupid. 
maybe like last week you know last week they had what it was Deion lewis and rex burkhead this week they come out giving the ball to james white well james white only had five carries so that that was more of a to your eyes no, no i'm just saying at the beginning just having him out there catching a few balls he caught like three balls right away just sort of setting that tone that like hey we're going to continue to spread the ball and use all of you guys equally and one of you is not better than the rest like just keeping them in check that way Deion Lewis is light years better than any running back on that roster. Oh, I totally agree. Miles better. Modi, have anything to add on this game? You were not high. You picked the Bills because it is not within your fiber to <laughs> click uh, a road team laying eight and a half points. But you were not high on this Buffalo team. What uh, what did you feel going in, and what did you see during this contest? Well, I did feel going in that the Pats were starting to play better, and I have a hard time picking against them with confidence. But uh, I have to say, you know, given the way it played out with how they were able to hold this offense in check, uh, basically everybody besides Gronk, um, I can't hate too much on Donnie's pick. He sort of had the right read. You couldn't really have imagined... I mean, what did the Bills score? Three points? Yeah, you couldn't have imagined the Bills were going to score three points. Uh, but I still still think there were better spots. So I think I had the right read going in, like, that it was fine to pick the Bills. But you just, I liked these other games way better, like I said on the pod. And uh, there were just so many good spots this week that we nailed. Unfortunately, a lot of other people nailed them, too including the free space Packers 26 bucks 20 for some reason the Packers were home dogs for most of the week I think at one point the spread.com had them as something nuts like 85 percent maybe even higher maybe some 88 percent of the bets on the Packers yet stubbornly the line didn't move until finally we get closer to the weekend where the Packers close as field goal favorites. As yeah, they were minus three. Uh, another pretty bad performance from Brett Hundley. 3.8 yards per attempt. I mean, this guy threw for 84 yards in a professional football game that went into overtime. 84 yards. But somehow, we get the win. Somehow, they get to 26 points. And a lot of that's thanks to the Jameis Winston and that, that weird shovel pass, fumble, turnover that turned into a Packers touchdown. Uh, just a really strange game. Mo, I'll let you take the lead on this one. Feels like we needed to take this because it was a free space, but it was really ugly. Even at one point, I remember you saying that maybe Bucks should have been minus three. Talk about this very strange contest at Lambeau. Yeah, I mean, Bucks were just marching all over the field on offense. I just uh, think maybe this could have been a loom. I mean, honestly, a loom in public just all in on the same side here, I think. And the book's just completely wrecked. Uh, they just, I mean, w- when you have a move like that, there has to be just so much money on the Packers. And maybe the books were on the right side. I mean, the, Jameis, they were just moving the ball, but but he's the master of the head scratcher. We know this. He is the master of the head scratcher. You needed him to come out and take a knee, Rich. Absolutely needed him to come out and take a knee. But looking at his, it's funny looking Pack, at his his pack had like a ninety yard defensive touchdown, right? Yeah, but look, it's funny though looking at his stat line. You know, eight point four yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no picks. It's like, ah. Was he really that bad? But it's if you watched him with two eyes, yes, James Winston was absolutely horrifying. I don't know. But then Brett Hundley, DP, what's what's going on here? Why does why when we're on Brett Hundley, is he a pumpkin? Is he the worst quarterback in football? And then when we're off him, he looks like Aaron Rodgers light. What's happening here, DP? What do you mean when we're off him? He looks horrible every week. That guy looks bad. He looked fine against the Steelers, and the Steelers have a cut pretty... the Steelers to pieces. Yeah, Steelers I have mean, a, a defense okay. with a pulse. Okay, too. I'll give you the Steelers. I'll give you the Steelers. 
But other than that, I mean, he he's looks like a joke out there. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if it's just the kid can't play. But, you know, I mean, he has flashes, right? I mean, the Steelers game for, is an example. He has flashes. But 90% of the time, I just I, – I'm like, this guy can't play quarterback in the NFL. But honestly, I just – I think it's coaching. I mean, I don't know. It has to be. I think that's the only explanation is that they didn't get this kid ready. And – it's funny because when, when Aaron Rodgers went down, you know, McCarthy was fielded with the question on everyone's mind, you know, hey, what about Colin Kaepernick? And McCarthy just hammered home the fact that, like, nope, we're sticking with our guy. We got Hundley. He's been in our system, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Great. Well, it doesn't really look like you did anything with that guy in your system except for let him sit there behind Aaron Rodgers. And it's, I don't know, I feel like that whole coaching operation there is just a complete joke. Um and yeah, Hundley just doesn't look good. He, just, he constantly just looks like a deer in headlights out there to me. It just running around, just always seeing pressure when it's and getting too scared when the pressure gets too close. You know, he just needs to kind of sit in the pocket, let his offensive line do the blocking, let them do their jobs. And if he ends up getting sacked at the end, sometimes it's going to be fine because it's not going to be totally his fault. But if he continues to just keep freaking out and just running all over the place and moving out of the pocket, it's, you know, at the first sign of pressure. It's just that's not how it's, you're going to operate as a quarterback in the NFL. Aaron Jones, active for the first time in a couple of weeks, doesn't see the field, and then in overtime gets his first carry and takes a 20 yards for the win. Just a, if, uh, a really weird game. If Jordy Nelson had hair, how much of it would he be pulling out? <laughs> uh, two, uh, two yards per target. How about you get open, Jordy Nelson? How about that? He just has such a rapport with Rodgers, man. And he's just like, he had eight targets and he got 17 yards. I mean, that's just incredible. All right. That's the, the opposite of Jermaine Curse. Yeah. <laughs> the polar opposite of Goat Curse. The last game we had on Sunday was Geno Smith, the Goat himself. And he and the Giants were plus eight and a half going into Oakland. Game was pretty tight. And then the fourth quarter, there was an explosion of points. 14 for the Raiders, 10 for the Giants. And the Giants stayed within those 8.5 points to cover in the 24-17 victory. Geno wasn't great, 6 yards per attempt and a touchdown. Had one of his patented, uh, close to the red zone too, patented zero-awareness strip sacks on him where... He just must not have a mental clock. For some reason, he thinks he can just stand back there for seven seconds. Uh, doesn't feel the rush coming behind him. Fumbles the ball away. On the other side of the ball, Derek Carr ends with eight yards per attempt, but started off just looking really bad. And I get part of that is that he had no receivers to throw to. Uh, Corderell Patterson, Seth Robertson, Johnny Holton were his main targets. But in overall, just a really sluggish game for both sides. The Raiders do get the win to get to 6-6, six and six, but I think Brett can rest easy. I think the Chargers are far and away the best team in the AFC West and should be favorites right now to win the division. But we do get the cover. But DP, they're taking Geno away from me already. It's, it's sickening. Geno is freed, and then he's caged again. I mean, what's going on in New York? Do we know? Yeah, everybody's fired. And Steve Spagnola is the interim head coach, and Eli Manning's back at quarterback. Yeah, but if you're if you're the owner and the GM and the coach come to you and say, we're benching Eli, how do you sign off on that? Yeah, why don't you and just then, say and no? And then fire the coach the next week. Yeah, why don't you just say no? <laughs> don't bench Eli. The only thing that I can think is that the ownership and everyone there understands that Eli isn't the quarterback going forward. Okay. So it's actually kind of smart on their behalf to have uh, McAdoo bench Eli. That way, when the new coach comes in and doesn't want to go with Eli, it, he doesn't have that burden because Eli's like a god in New York. Yeah. I've been shocked by the reaction to Eli's benching. People, I mean, I, th are, I think it's because of who he got benched for. 
Really? I, I don't think it Honestly, is. Honestly, if you if he gets I, benched I, for, for Davis Webb, no, though... No, no, I don't think so. I don't think if Davis Webb comes in that the reaction's any worse. Or any yeah, better. Yeah, but you can, at least you can spin that and be like, listen, he's the kid we drafted. We're going to go with him, see what he's got going forward, see if he's the guy. As opposed to, like, Geno Smith. And listen, I know you're higher on Geno Smith than a lot of people. and But Geno Smith looks like he's just that veteran guy who never was able to get it going so people just instantly think he's always going to just suck and be a two or three quarterback on a team maybe you're right i think more of it was about eli getting quote-unquote disrespected which get out of here it's pro football either perform or get out go leave hang it up so so eli gets to play one more home game against the cowboys in a very strange contest. Uh Mo, your boy, start the car. He's just he's not good, I don't think. I don't I don't think Derek Carr will ever be better than he was last year. Last year was his apex in the NFL. Yeah, it was last year career year. He was so good. He looked good the year before that too though. So I don't just don't know what's going on. I don't know. Maybe he was just a product of his O line. I mean they were elite the last couple years. And last year, I mean this year what middle of the road, nothing special. And now all of a sudden car looks like middle of the road, nothing special. Andy Dalton, warm body, decent quarterback out there. He looked abysmal in this game. This stat line is a complete lie. It's it's a total, total. It's like the Jameis line. It does not match what you watched on Sunday. Yeah, this is a complete lie. This is, this is one of those games where if you just look at the box score, you're like, okay, uh, Derek Carr had a nice day. He carved the Giants up. No, no, that's not what happened. This is when you needed two eyes to watch the game. I watched it with two eyes for much of this, and uh, I think we were 100,000% on the right side here. Um, Carr tried to throw like three horrific interceptions. These had nothing to do with bad receivers. These were just abysmal throws. Uh, he hit DBs in the chest no less than two times. Maybe three. I can't remember. I just remember just conflicting emotions, being ready to break shit, but like at the same time being like, well, fuck, I'm also trying to win in fantasy in this $300 league, and I really want Derek Carr to score some points. But shit, man. He... he what are these Giants DBs? What what the hell, man? You guys have nothing to play for besides your stats. Fucking catch the ball. <laughs> these weren't even tough picks. One of them, a guy was like on two knees and it just spiraled into his midsection and he just didn't catch it. I, Carr looked awful. And maybe we need to give more credit to Michael Crabtree for... Just being that receiver who, just that Jordy Nelson type of receiver, you know, who, when the play breaks down or when the QB is under pressure, he just can fire it to Crab, and just know Crab is going to just take the ball and and get five yards plus, you know. Oakland rushing attack just as bad. Again, if you look at the box score, you'll see. Marshawn Lynch, 17 for 101 and a touch. Good game for the vet, but one of those was a 51-yard scamper. So if you remove that run, that makes him 16 for 50, which is no bueno. So a very weird performance by the Raiders. Again, I mean, their 6-6 six and six might be worse than the Chiefs' 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, the Chiefs are probably <laughs> better than the Raiders. Oh, and I forgot another one of car plays that, that is uh, misleading in the box score. Uh, Patterson took a wide receiver screen for 70. That almost moosed us. Yeah. All right, the last game. Uh, oh, wait. I think I'm making some mistakes. Our four games from last week were Giants, Jets, Packers. Oh, and our favorite team ever. How am I forgetting? How do I forget? Brownie. How do I forget the collective's most favorite team in history, the Cleveland Browns, plus 14, coming to L.A.? Yes, I can say coming. And the return of Josh Gordon, 
absolute legend of the game, Josh Gordon. Great to see him back on the pitch. And this game really came to what we expected. We expected the Chargers to win, really, without breaking much of a sweat. But at the same time, we didn't expect the Chargers to come out and just beat the brakes off of them, maybe rest on their laurels. And they did just that. They come out, they score nine points in the first half, ten points in the third quarter, and then a big old goose egg in the fourth as they just run the clock out and head into week 14. Final score, 19-10. to It was... A really strong performance by the Chargers, especially defensively, outside of Josh Gordon, who went for four for 85, and David Njoku, who keeps getting better and better every week. The entire Cleveland defense, uh, Cleveland offense was pretty much clamped down. Uh, Kaiser, 15 of 32. No bueno. 6.7 yards per attempt. Great performance by the Chargers, but at the same time, an easy cover for the Browns. DP, this went... Like I said, right to script. We we called this pretty much to a T. Yeah, I mean, 14 points we all felt was just too much uh, for this one. Uh, I mean, the Browns, they are the Browns, but we love them. We love our Browns, and they got the job done for us against a team uh, in Los Angeles. So it's still, still a little bit weird saying that. Uh, the Chargers, that, that, you know, they seem to be getting as hot as anyone right now and just clicking all – the right buttons as as they go forward and charge to the playoffs and if they end up making it into the playoffs and making it to the postseason i mean that's going to be a pretty scary team to contend with uh you know come mid-december late december and into january 10 for 105 for keenan allen mo for sure second round ppr next year at a minimum keenan allen is i was worried about him I, i gotta admit i was really worried about him a uh, speed and quickness receiver coming off a second major lower body surgery, I believe. Um, but man, this guy, nobody's, nobody can still cover him. Uh, be scary to think what he'd be doing if he was able to stay healthy the last few years. 14 targets, hauled in 10 of them for that 105 and a touch. Super efficient. Guy is just an amazing route runner gets open despite having coverage slotted his way and safety help all the time, despite being the WR1 in this offense and having a ton of attention. The guy keeps getting open. I, You guys kept... I like the Chargers, right? Again, I think they're favorites to win the AFC West. I think they're going to be a hard out in this weird AFC where any team could face the Patriots in the AFC title game and I would not be shocked by it, save for the Titans, who are the, the fakest 8-4 and four team in the history of football. But, guys, stop trying to tell me that the Chargers are better than the Jags. I will not, I will not hear that slander. I mean, it depends on how bottle service plays. If he comes out, plays like he did this week. But that was the Colts, you know? So, uh, I mean, got to see him play a halfway decent game against a defense with half of a pulse. Uh, I, just, I just need Jags... Patriots AFC title game. I need it. I I absolutely need it. Yeah, I mean, if they can carve up this Jags D, not much we can really say, right? That's right. Can't say much about Brady if he can do that. All right. I just want to look at the overall contest really quickly because there is an interesting media member (laughs) towards the top of the contest. The leader is Granny's Boy, who had a 4-1 week and is now... 44-18-3 in the Super Contest, 71%, 71% through 13 weeks, which is super impressive. If you scroll down a little further, tied for 65th is Bill Simmons. His contest name is Binge Mode. He, too, went 4-1 last week. He's picking at 60.9%, six games out of first, which is a lot this time of year. Uh, but good old Billy Simmons <laughs> on the bubble right now trying to cash. It makes sense that this is the year Bill Simmons can actually pick winners. <laughs> uh, and you said uh, in the Skype chat, DP, that Granny's Boy, who is leading the contest, I'm looking at right now, leading the contest heading into the week, picked the Thursday game 
had the sharp side though, had Dallas as the home dog, but picking the Thursday game this late in the season, DP, how, how nuts is that? That seems like suicide, does it not? It seems like driving your car down the freeway and taking your hands off the wheel and putting a blindfold on and hoping you make it to your destination because you have to submit all five games ahead of that Thursday deadline. And if you know if he's using a proxy, uh, which I think a large majority of the people are, you have to submit it super early on Thursday. So you don't even get the benefit of you know any of the late Thursday injury news that might come out. Um, you know, any of the injury reports, practice reports, that sort of thing. And then you can run over to the book and get your card in. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Dallas was just that much of a sharp side that he needed to get the pick in. But it seems crazy to be picking the Thursday game that this late in the season with so much on the line, you know, just, just going forward these last couple of weeks. Granny's boy has only had one losing week this season. It was week four. They went one and four. But since then, their worst week has been three and two, a lot of four and ones, three one and ones, and four zero oh and ones sprinkled in there. Only one perfect week, and that was week one. So Granny's boy leads the contest. Looking ahead to week fourteen, we'll take a look at the lines right now. Of course, these are not the super contest lines, but they might be close to when they come out on Wednesday. DP, let's start with you. When you were doing your initial process, you mentioned the Jets. Did you like their side or did you like the other side? Methinks you might like the home dog in the spot. I mean, I just, that one, I I think it's interesting that the Jets are a favorite on the road again. I mean, when they were a favorite on the road earlier in the season, we were pretty much all super surprised. Um this one is a combination of the fact that they are favored on the road uh, against the Broncos, and they're getting 70% of the bets right now. Um, I mean, I mean, I know it's still early in the week, but that seems a, a little bit high. I mean, listen, I, it's also telling of the fact that the Broncos are just a total it's a disaster. No one has any faith in them whatsoever if they're going to make them uh, home dogs like, to the Jets. Yeah, the, the Jets as road favorites are, I mean... <laughs> That's a scary proposition. Uh, since Todd Bowles is the head coach, the Jets are 1-3-1 and one as road favorites. Oh, no, sorry. That's just 2015. Oh, boy. That's going to be worse. So, since 2015, the Jets, okay, 3-3-1. Three, three and one. Uh, But in this spot, Mo, I mean, Jets, road favorites. I know Denver, rule of, rule of Mo, bet on the team that looked as bad as possible. Denver had that performance against that Miami team. Doesn't get Denver much worse than that. Denver was definitely that team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, man, I've been the guy who just keeps clicking Denver. This is the week, right? Has to be. I don't know, though. That I, I Earlier this season, I did say the Jets could never be road favorites. Remember that Bucks game? Yeah, of course. Against a bad Bucks team. This is slaughtered. This is rule of pro football. Yeah, you can Jets cannot be road favorites, but then again, the Broncos just look like they've completely quit. I mean, this is this might be Donnie's rule of hashtag quitting. <laughs> hashtag no heart. Any games during your process, Mo, that stuck out to you on first glance? Donnie, how much heart do the Broncos have? Yeah, we need we need a heart index on the Broncos. God, I mean, zero? <laughs> I, I, negative? Can we go negative heart? I mean, wh- who's even trying heart. on that team? I don't know. I uh, mean, Devontae Booker kind of seems like he's trying, but he's a running back. What the hell is he going to do? Yeah, right. If nobody blocks for him, what's he supposed to do? Yeah. Dude, Demarius had he like he doesn't have a quarterback and get him the ball. Two catches on 10 targets or something. Yeah, he had some. This is the worst. He had some super soft drops, too. One was. Uh, it was like a, it wasn't like a, it, it, I guess it was more of a post than a slant, even though it's like a really short post. Uh, looked like cover two, got into a soft part of the zone, and the safety like was, wasn't even in a position to destroy Demarius, but certainly would have tattooed him a little bit. And then Demarius went total alligator arms and just drops the pass and gets hit anyway. That that's what always surprises me about that play. When you're running a post or a slant into cover two, and you, you're gonna get hit no matter what, like why not just catch the ball? I don't know. 
DP, I seem rolled you a little bit there by forcing the Jets take upon you. Were there any games that? Yeah, you there's uh, three more that I have written down. Three. So good Jeez. that you're coming back. Go to for me. it. Um, so this Jacksonville Seattle line is interesting to me. Uh, I mean, initial thought is that I think Jacksonville should be more of a favorite than minus three. Um, and I think it's also a little bit scary that Seattle's getting 82% of the bets. Um, but I've said it many times on this podcast that Seattle's like the Patriots of the NFC where they're, people are just going to pile them at all times. Um, I just think that Seattle having to come east to play against a good defense, um, you know, they can just really get shut down. I haven't been impressed with them. I mean, I know they've been getting the job done in, in a lot of spots lately, but I'm still not that impressed to, with the Seahawks. So I would look for the Jaguars to, to shut them down. And then the other two games I'm looking at uh, – Titans minus three on the road seems highly questionable. And then Cowboys minus five and a half on the road also seems questionable. Uh, in terms of the Cowboys, yes, they are playing the Giants, but I feel like this is a spot where you get rid of the coach who no one liked there. Eli gets to step back under center, and the team is just going to ball the fuck out for Eli. Yeah. Why, though? Why would any of these guys... Have any connection to play for, and they're playing their division rival, and they can just shit on them. This is one of those games where you say this is their Super Bowl. Yeah. Does anybody besides these blue hair retired veterans like Justin Tuck give a shit about Eli? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. What connection do these players have to Eli? They've never even been. They've they've never even won a playoff game with him. Listen, man, I think that they do have a connection to him. I mean, I know what you guys are saying, but I think that, and I think it that seeps into the general aura of the entire new york market i mean what the fucking eli sucks okay we all know that but everyone thinks that he's god and he should be in the hall of fame and all sort of crap i i love your first game this is a beautiful spot for the jaguars i in my nailed these in my impassioned speech about the seahawks my point was that sunday night that was it that was the last hurrah. Maybe to your point of the Giants' Super Bowl being against the Cowboys, that Seahawks game in primetime, that was it. That was the last game of the season where the Seahawks were going to show out at CenturyLink at night, primetime game. Now they're going to travel all the way east. They're going to play an actual team with a pulse, and they're going to get their shit pushed in by Jacksonville. I cannot How believe... 18% of the people on the Jaguars? I, Don't people have faith in this defense? I cannot believe that 85% of the people, 82% of the Fish people... Fish don't click on defenses. They don't. I mean, you're really they clicking on... on Seattle, on Seattle has like 17 of their starting players are hurt. It's like They what? click on quarterbacks. Fish only care about who the QB is. This is a beautiful spot. If Russ pulls this off, fuck, put him in the Hall of Fame because that, that will be a fucking feat. But there's no way his bullshit running around for 35 seconds, throwing the ball up in the air is going to work against this defense. This is the game I've been telling you guys about. The, the Seahawks are always bad on the road. And this spot, 1 p.m., West Coast going east against a really good defense. This isn't just what this is like the farthest flight you can make almost. <laughs> this is besides Seattle to Miami. This is like it. Yeah. And there's just been so many. I, for some reason, I feel like the Hawks have played at Carolina a bunch of times during the Russell Wilson tenure. And if, it, I bet you if you go back at those games, the Hawks score like an average of 12 points in those games. They just, I don't know, it's just something about this team on the road. Offensive line performances, I think. If you did a, a study, there'd be some correlation between home road splits. I think that's where you'd see more correlation in terms of performance. And it makes sense in terms of noise and comfortability, changes at the line. I, I don't know. I, I don't see how the Hawks even compete in this game against Jacksonville. If this line is three, this is a Brinks truck game, boys and girls. These uh these Jags, the Jags line might actually us instead of running in circles chasing him and like not cutting off angles all right mo discipline on your d line you can just shit on this guy mo what games stood out to you during your early process there's a bunch actually first of all they opened the saints plus one and a half on accident i think they meant to be minus 
because that's where it is now. And that's just an idiotic opening line. Public just smashing the Saints. Uh, they finally, somebody finally realized the Vikings are good because they're road favorites against the Panthers and they're getting all of the tickets. Yeah, that, I don't know if they deserve it. That was an, but, that was an interesting one to me. I uh, I thought they'd open Panthers minus one. Just to your point, they just they 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 seem to never respect Minnesota. But I guess they're past the point of no return with the Vikings playing like that against Atlanta. And then yeah, and then yeah. That, I mean that Saints Falcons. What, uh, what do they got to do? Yeah, you know, last week I said what what do they got to do, and then they finally did it. And then Saints-Falcons, another, I mean, well, yeah, why aren't the Saints minus three at that spot? Like, who's clicking on the Falcons? Yeah, don't they deserve to be road favorites? I think those are two games I kind of want to stay away from, though. Just because I feel like the range of outcomes are pretty wide. Like, there's no bad Yeah, I think there. that's uh, true for sure. Like, if, I think there are some uh, like, much better spots. Like why yeah, like if the Falcons just came out and won by 10, I mean, it's not like you'd be like, holy shit. Is there a Spider-Man meme? Is there a Spider-Man meme where one of the Spider-Man is wearing like a, a counterfeit Spider-Man costume? Because <laughs> like, I feel like that's Saints-Falcons. Like Venom? Yeah. Like one guy is looking at the other guy being like, you have a fucking fake costume on. Get out of here, Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably a fair read. Uh, another one, if you, if you keep going down the list... Uh, the Browns are only catching three and a half. Guys. Yeah, what is that? What is that? What do we think about that? I had that plus seven. I guess that is just Hunley. Hunley is just that bad. Market just thinks he's that bad. I guess. Yeah. Jesus. And then uh, why are the Dolphins pl- uh, minus fourteen? Plus fourteen. No, why aren't they minus fourteen? Because Gronk's out. Yeah, but I guess there is that, but who cares? Why, why aren't yeah, can the Patriots just put their second stringers in and just win this by at least a touchdown? They can pick a score, <laughs> you know. I think the Patriots are going to win by 40. Why wouldn't they? Because of what happened and how that game played out against Miami last time. And Miami got really chippy and was doing a lot of dumb shit. Those games where Bill Belichick's like fucking hang sixty on these assholes and let's go. Uh, I think the Chargers line's a little heavy. Yeah, that line is too big. I think Slurs coming off of extra rest. Huge favorites here. Slurs, yeah, they of course. I mean, if it wasn't the Broncos that played the worst last week, the Slurs in primetime looked like a bumbling mess they looked they looked like they gave away their playoff chances in prime time so public sentiment super low on washington uh and uh this game is 50 50 a a little bit of a lean 52 percent for la in that spot but seems pretty heavy for there to be six and a half on the chargers and then eagles Rams. yeah and then Go, go ahead yeah that's the one i wanted to ask you about because I know, I know that one sticks out to you. Yeah, uh, seems like a fair line in terms of what the market was going to do. I, I thought the market was going to hang minus one, so I'm actually happy to see them hang the minus two. But I don't know, I don't know why they didn't just make the Rams like slight home dogs. To be honest, you can't. You can't. Rams cannot be home dogs against like anyone. This team is too good. Did the Eagles just play that bad on Sunday night? What if the Eagles won and covered on Sunday night? Would the Rams have been home dogs? I guess they probably would have, but I don't think it would be right. I just think from a maximizing on the markets, I I think no matter what line you hung here, the Eagles were going to be the public side. They are 73% despite having a bad Sunday night. They are the public side here. Uh, so I, I think if you made the Rams slight home dogs, I still think the Eagles would be the public side. So basically what the books would be doing there is just giving themselves added value and padding the line in their direction. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I want to like the Rams in the spot, but it, 
seems like a nice bounce back for the Eagles. They did the the correct franchise thing in uh, flying down to Southern California. They'll be practicing here all week instead of going back to Philly and then flying back to the West Coast. So they did the correct institutional thing. Uh, but this game seems like it's going to be really tight. Uh, this game is super Spider-Man, Mimi. And yeah, super Spider-Man, Mimi. Whoever I pick in this game, it will be towards the bottom of my card. I'm just going to sit but, back uh, and enjoy this game on Sunday. Yeah, and then I have to say, man, Donnie nailed this one. Donnie nailed. Donnie nailed a lot of this. His early reads, I feel, uh, were some of the same ones sticking out to me. What is this Titans line? This has to be the worst line of the week. How yeah, can the they be minus it, three they? on the road? They do. Yeah, not like all the way. It's not like, you know, 70% piling cards here as the dog, but it's it's 50-50. And, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the Titans suck. Blaine Train. What if Blaine Gabbert's good? Larry Fitzgerald's going to have 14 for 130 this game. <laughs> who's, yeah. who's covering that guy? Blaine certainly had some head scratchers this week. Well, yeah, he played against a pretty good team. He did. But he's looked a lot better than he did before. I mean, he's looked like a QB with half of a pulse. Uh, certainly somebody who should be on an NFL roster, whereas before the season, I would not have said that. Imagine so. if imagine if the Jags just kept him all these years instead of drafting it, something yeah. Bortles. I mean, that's Spider-Man meme, though. Really? Yes. Uh, Two athletic white QBs who just make horrible decisions. True. I think I, I think you're at its core comparing Blake Bortles to Blaine Gabbard. I think you're right. I think it is very. Uh, Spider-Man Mimi in that they're similar quarterbacks. But what I, basically what I'm saying is if you would have just kept the Blaine thing going, you wouldn't have used the third overall pick in 2014 on another Blaine Gabbard. I guess yeah, that's, that's for sure. I yeah. guess that's the point I'm making. So if you just would have kept him and had him be mediocre this whole time, you could have just kept compiling talent around him and been a better team. So imagine... I want to pull up the 2014 draft real quick. This is where this podcast is going. So instead of at the third pick, they took instead of even if they took Sammy Watkins, who went a pick later. But imagine if they took Khalil Mack, you know, or Jake Matthews with that third pick instead of something Blake Portals. God, Blake Portals, what a bad pick. That's about as bad as they come. Jeez, jeez, jeez. All right, that's the pod. Hope you guys enjoyed the recap. I mean, we're chipper. Coming off a four-in-one week, hopefully we can keep it going and give you more winners as we close out the season. You should follow these guys on Twitter, at Donnie underscore Peters and at Mo Nawara, N-U-W-W-A-R-A-H. I'm at Rich T. Ryan. We'll be back on Thursday for the DFS pod and Friday for the Super Contest pod. Until then, enjoy your day. Peace out. Peace out.